almost didn't make it back. Just about all flights this past weekend were canceled or delayed, and I was really praying. And uh, a bunch of brothers was on the text together. <laughs> and I was like, uh, "Send up some prayers." So it worked, yeah. <laughs> and I made it back. <clears throat> didn't want to have to sleep in uh, JFK overnight. Uh, all right, on a bench. <laughs> that would have been good. That's so much fun. Oh uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but I did get to go to North Carolina this past week. Uh, there you go. <laughs> yeah, I uh, saw two of our three children. All right. And uh, did some work down there, hung out with them, and, uh, and made it back. Um, <clears throat> I definitely want to say Happy Father's Day to all the fathers in the room and the fathers to be. Um, you know, being a father of three is definitely special. I think uh, to, to think about Father's Day. Um, I want to start out, though, before I start talking about Father's Day, to uh, also, you know, this this is also Juneteenth weekend. Mm -hmm. And um, if you don't know, right, Juneteenth happened on June 19, 1865, two years after the Emancipation Proclamation, where all slaves were free in this country. Um, But they had to take 2,000 troops to Galveston, Texas, with General... Major General Gordon Granger to actually carry out an executive order to free the rest of the slaves in, in Texas. Um, you know, by executive order. I think, uh, and, and this is the 157th anniversary of Juneteenth, also. So it's been a while. I think, you know, when you ask yourself, because some people, you know, even, I mean, I do quite a bit of work in the diversity, equity, and inclusion space and consulting and that sort of thing. And sometimes I hear the phrase, hey, I'm, I'm um, diversity fatigue. I've heard enough of it. <laughs> and, and the thing I ask leaders or people when they say that, I go, really? Are you uh, revenue fatigue? Are you, uh, are you fatigued of, you know, growing your organization? Then they go, no, I need that, and then that's, that never ends. I go, oh, yeah, interesting. <laughs> well, how does that happen? Well, it happens through people, right? Mm-hmm. And people are what? People are diverse. Mm-hmm. And they're becoming what? And we're getting even more diverse, right? Mm-hmm. And so if you're diversity fatigued, I say, I think you're doing it wrong, right? You're right. focusing on the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's never going to go. It's an infinite thing, right? Mm-hmm. And when you think about um, this from a spiritual perspective, you know, does God care about diversity? see into that? Well, if you if you, you don't have to go there now, but if you study out Acts, and Acts 6, uh, 1 through 7, it, it talks about the difference between the Hellenistic and the Hebraic Jews, and, and the widows who were not being fed, right? And if you know anything about society and structure and all of that, um, to be a widow during that time, you were not at the top of the totem pole. Mm-hmm. Right, and then you have this difference between the Jews. The, the bottom line is the, the the apostles made sure that that situation got rectified and it got dealt with and it got dealt with immediately. So if God didn't care about diversity, I mean, would that even be in the Bible? Right, right. Our Bible says that all Scripture is God breathed, right, and it's used for teaching, correcting, and training, right, and rebuking. So we can't have one without the other. Um. So anyway, so so God convicts our heart, right, to make sure that 
you know, justice and equity and, and social justice and all of that, that we have to pay attention to that. We don't get to ignore that, that we have to reach out and seek and save all of God's people, regardless of race, creed, religion, and all of that. So, you know, um, that's, as, that's as much as I wanted to kind of get into Juneteenth um, and, you know, whatever people may be doing uh, around it to celebrate it or commemorate it or, or to focus on it. Um, I would just say happy Juneteenth. <laughs> <clears throat> Father's Day. Um, like I said, I am a proud father of three. And we have three adult children, Yvonne and I. All right. Um, and and as, as you were standing here, I was saying to myself, man, isn't it good to have a God-fearing, praying woman? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think when God gives us that, he gives us something good. Because the thought occurred to me, what would be the opposite of a God-fearing, praying woman? Well, I don't think I want to find out. <laughs> so I appreciate you, and I appreciate who you are and who you've been all these years. And I appreciate that God gave me a, a God-fearing, praying woman. Um, so when we have the the, the, the notion of Father's Day, um, you know, we, we may think about it differently because all of us, we may be in different places when it comes to Father's Day, right? Um, you know, some of us, um, our fathers are no longer here, like mine. Uh, he passed away when I was in the first grade. Um, some, of, some fathers may be here, but distant. Right? And I'll have to say, I don't know what that feels like. And I can't imagine that it's something that, you know, we, that might bring sunshine. And I would, I would hope that if that is the case, that we're disciples in that, no matter what, how someone else may be acting. We have to always be a disciple. And then some of us may have a loving bond with our father, right? Uh, which is great. So I, I realize that we may be in different places, and I just want to. Be aware of that and acknowledge that, um, and not assume we're all in the same place when it comes to that. <clears throat> but I do want to transition to a fun fact about Father's Day. I didn't know this. I just found this out as I was preparing for this for today. So I'm going to give you a multiple choice question. Let's see how you do. All right. Oh boy. Uh, when was Father's Day? What year was Father's Day officially? Made a federal holiday. Hold your horses if you are, and don't Google it. Right. Don't Google it. You're in church. <laughs> the preacher said, "Don't Google it." <laughs> All right. All right. So, so is it A, 1914? Is it B, 1964? Or is it C, 1972? C. 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 I mean, Crystal has her hand raised. <laughs> oh, that's not right. Okay. She says B, 1964. Raise your hand if you agree with that. Oh, wow. Almost half the room. Well, Crystal said it, so. <laughs> You're very influential. <laughs> what about A, 1914? One. There you go. There's then then this one. <laughs> and then last one we have C, 
Uh, raise your hand if you say Steve, 1972. There's a few. It's Steve, 1972. Wow. You know what was interesting? 1914 was when Mother's Day was made official. And, and, and President President Nixon in 1972 made Father's Day official. All right. Now here 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 was the interesting thing I found out. I'm like, wow, look at that gap between 1914 yeah. to 1972. Like what took us along? Yeah. And and what it was is that fathers resisted it, wow. having a day named in our honor. Mm-hmm. But here's why: when we Mother's Day was such a sweet and special day filled with flowers and roses and cards and all those things. Men were like, no, I don't want that. You know, we're too menly for all of that. And so they, they resisted it for that reason. They said it was too effeminate. I was like, wow. I can get stuff on this day. So yeah, I was like, wow. But you you think about our culture in American society, right? And the different with gender and all of that. And I can say, oh yeah, I can kind of see how that probably showed up and played out. But we finally came to our senses and allowed ourselves to have a day. Um, so there's really three things I want to talk about. Uh, I, have, I have a three point sermon, right? Uh, but this this is true in terms of what came up for me when I thought about Father's Day because Sue gave me the challenge. Is Sue in here? Sue, with the kids. Oh, quit with the kids. Um, she said, okay, your topic will be how God is like a father. How God is like a father. And so when I thought about that, three things came up for me. How, you know, well, three words came up for me. Uh, provider, protector, and pathway. Pro- provider, protector, and pathway. Pathway. Three P's, right? How God is like a father. So before I dive into that, though, there, there's something I want to share with you. Um, there were some st- statistics that I thought were quite interesting from the U.S. Department of Health as it relates to the difference or some trends of what what is typical, what is happening when a father is present versus when uh, the, the home is fatherless, in terms of, you know, is it a really a big difference? In fatherless homes, uh, 63% of our suicides come from fatherless homes. 90% of all homelessness in runaway children and then 80% of sexual abusers and anger problems come from fatherless homes. Very high. 71% of all school dropouts come from fatherless homes. 75% of adolescent patients, younger patients, and with chemical abuse come from fathers, fatherless homes. And then 85% of youth in prison from fatherless homes. And then 71% of pregnant teens come from fatherless homes. And then 63% of youth suicide come from fatherless homes. So when we ask ourselves, does it make a difference 
when fathers are involved or children have a father figure, to Larry's point, right, because it is a choice. And even if you don't have children or if you're a single mom, there can still be, you know, the, 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 the influence and impact. Come on, single mom. Absolutely. 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 As a person who lost his father in the first grade and raised by a very strong single mom, uh, yeah, I, I can't imagine. But so, so I'm not suggesting that, you know, going back to the single mom point, that the outcomes, you know, that all those outcomes will occur, right? Because single moms and uh, children defy these statistics every day. Yeah. Right. Myself not being raised by a father, never experienced any of that, right? And, and had a single mom who guided me along the way. Mm-hmm. So there can be healthy and capable children, even without a father. And when we are fathers, it is outstanding when we are in their lives and having that loving influence, right? But I think when we have both of those realities uh, at the same time. My hope is that all, you know, that we can all support and encourage men to be involved in their children's lives. Um, so when I thought about this and I thought about my own personal background, uh, again, before we get into the, the provider, protector, and, and pathway, um, I thought about my own uh, background, and like I said, I, I lost my father when I was in the first grade, and uh, there were six of us. So we were six of us was raised by my mother um, in Montgomery, Alabama, in the deep south. Um, but when I prepared this sermon, it actually caused me to think about what would that have been like had I had an opportunity to grow up with him. I really reflected on that. And, you know, when I think about some of the things that I like and that I do, I was asking myself, hmm, would he have been into fishing? Would he um, have liked jazz? Mm. Right, live jazz. Would he, would he like playing chess? Would we have swapped army stories? Right? Um, would, have, would we have played football together? I don't know. I didn't get a chance to experience any of that. Um, what, let me ask a question to, to, to the men in the room, or even the women in the room. What are some ways that you feel that you are similar to your earthly father? What's the one thing that comes to mind when you say, hmm, I think I get this from my father. What comes to mind? Um, undying loyalty. Undying loyalty. Mm. Yeah. My dad was loyal to, I would say, almost a fault, but mm-hmm. really to a fault some years ago. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> what else? Thank you, Larry. Yes. Committed. Committed. Outdoors from dad. Kind. Kind. Somebody else had hand. Hard working. Hard working. Yeah. Mm. Mm. My dad's you. also got a great hairline. <laughs> <laughs> great hairline. <laughs> got the crew going, right? <laughs> yeah, I hear you. So, 
for me, there was there was seven attributes that I shared with my biological father, even though our time together was very brief. Right? Um, we actually looked quite similar, and I was preparing to do a PowerPoint, but I didn't have time. I was traveling all week, so but you just have to take my word for it. We look quite similar. We look so similar, his friends would call him Bull, and they called me Little Bull. <laughs> and my children shortened it to Lit Bull. <laughs> that was a whole other connotation these days. <laughs> Lit. Um, we both had a love for jazz music. One of my favorite pictures of him and my mother was at his brother's, my uncle's, wedding. And they were all at a jazz club, and they were dressed to the nines. Mm -hmm. I'm talking white blazers, bow ties, wow. you, know, wow. you know, haircuts. And they were in a jazz club up north. Uh, and, and my wife and I, actually Yvonne introduced me to jazz in college, and we've been lovers of jazz ever since. But we, we both like jazz. Mm -hmm. We're both Army combat veterans. He was uh, in the Korean War, and I was in the Gulf War. And... We both served in the 24th Infantry Regiment, same unit, wow. regiment-wise, which is, if you just understand Army structure, there's different levels, but our big overarching structure was the same regiment. Um, we both played football, to Crystal's point like that. We both liked swimming, although he was on the swim team, because he grew up up north in Pittsburgh, and uh, we didn't have a swim team down in Montgomery, Alabama. <laughs> um, uh, I often wondered what his favorite stroke would have been, and if I could have been. <laughs> <laughs> we both got hitched to God-fearing Southern women. All right, right, all right. Um, he definitely came down and met my mom, and, and once I found a Southern belle, I haven't let her go since. And we both could twitch our right ear. Hmm. He would do it at the without moving the rest of our face, right? I was like, and he would do it at the at the dinner table just to amaze us. And we were like, wow, how is that possible? And I would, I said, oh, I guess I could do it too. Go ahead, and do it. And I tried. Let me see. Go, go, go. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. All right. All right. Yeah. So I I got that from him genetically, right? We're ear twitchers. <laughs> <laughs> but but when I thought about when I thought about all that, I said, well, that's how I'm similar to my 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 earthly father, but how am I similar to my heavenly father? All right, right. Good question. Um, so let me ask you, um, what do you see when you when you talked about those similarities of yourself and your and your heavenly father? What do you see? Uh, and the similarities between earthly and heavenly fatherhood. What do you, what do you, let's take some responses. What do you see as the similarities between earthly fatherhood and heavenly fatherhood? Committed. Committed. Right. Which is the same as your dad. There you go. Thank you. What else? Yeah. Compassionate. Compassionate. Forgiving. Forgiving. Dads have to work on that one. <laughs> What's the Sacrificial. Sacrificial. Mm. Yeah. Generous. Generous. Yeah. Loving. Loving. That's it. That's the mic drop. Right there. Hard line. Hard line. Yeah. 
passing expectations. You're either in or out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you got to be clear about it, right? What's that? I said I don't care what we do. Still love. Absolutely, absolutely. He has some hard lines, and and sometimes he has to teach us with that. But he loves us no matter what, right? And he he accepts us back. <clears throat> so when I think about you know some of those similarities myself. Um, Seven attributes come up as well. Um, maybe I should put my glasses on. The Word, the Bible, right? We, we both have a love for that, which guides me every hour, daily, hourly, right? So that I'm aware of His will and not my own, right? Because I could be worldly, I could be sinful, I could be self-focused, but what is His will? The second one um, is the relationship with Jesus. And and, and it helps me to just simply ask, what would Jesus do in this situation, in this conversation, with this challenge, right? What would he do in this argument? What would he do with this accusation that's been charged against me? What would he do in this debate? Right? What would he do with this challenge? This persecution? Right? What about this temptation? What would he do? What about this opportunity? What about this potential to be greedy? What would he do with all of that? Right? So I think having that relationship with Jesus, it just centers us. And it grounds us. And it brings us back to, and it sobers us, right? Brings us back to his will. Like Bond talked about, the Holy Spirit being the third one, right, out of these seven. Um, creating that unseen connection that is felt, believed, and it inspires and consoles and provides hope and perseverance, right? Which is much more powerful anything we can physically do, right? Because it comes from inside. It comes from a conviction that you don't quit. You don't give up. You stay focused. You keep going no matter what. And and to Bond's point about giving the Holy Spirit its due, absolutely, we have to do that. Because that's the thing that's going to make us get up and keep going and keep smiling and keep having that open and soft heart that God expects us to. Because we can't do it on our own. We need help. And the Holy Spirit is our helper. It's our comforter. It is the thing that will, it is our fuel that will keep us going. So it's just so important. Also, um, one of the things that uh, between the Father and, and, and fatherhood for me is, heavenly and earthly fatherhood, is the feet of Satan. Jesus has already done it. This death on the cross. Satan has been defeated. So whenever I'm scared or, or, un, or, or unsure or don't know or frightened or what have you, I just have to remind myself, God has already won that battle. I don't, it's not even mine to fight. The story's already done. It's been written. So I just need to do my part each day. The fifth one is the cross. 
it, it, you know, it, it basically provided that personal connection and opportunity for each and every one of us to have that open access to, to God. Right? I don't need the blood of bulls and goats. I don't need the curtain. I don't need anyone to tell me how to connect with my God. Now, his word tells me that. And I need brothers and sisters in my life to you know, tell me the truth and hold me accountable and support me. But I've got my own personal relationship with God. And so the cross does that. And number six is love for all of God's children. Just like you said in the back. That, you know, love covers all. And as we look around at our differences and and where we come from and what we do and who we are and all of that, God allows us to have love for all of his children, regardless of our differences, and sometimes because of our differences. And lastly, number seven, eternity. I think God has placed eternity in our hearts, right? Um, He's timeless, right? And he offers me an opportunity to spend eternity with him. We gotta spend eternity somewhere. Pick your pick. Where and who you want to spend it with. I choose him. Every day, all day. So those are the seven um, attributes when I think about and thank you for helping me to think about um, you know our our similarities to our earthly fathers. And also our similarities to our heavenly fathers. So now I want to talk about those three points. Um, and like Vaughn, I'm going to ask for some help as we look at some scripture as well. Um, and the three things that came up is, you know, when, when Sue asked me the question, how is God like a father? Again, uh, the word provider, protector, and pathway are the three words that came up. <clears throat> and um, so if someone could uh, go to Matthew 6.11 and volunteer to read that for us right there. So before, we, before he reads it, um, we'll go ahead and find it. I want to just say that as a provider, you know, when we look at this from an earthly father and a heavenly father perspective, I think that as dads, we instinctively um, want to provide for the physical needs of our children and our families, right? Right. Um, we want to provide that emotional support. We want to provide that spiritual support. And I remember um, when my kids were small and, and we went swimming and um, they wanted to go on the slide. And, you know, they have to go up real high and then slide down right. to the pool. And so we went up but when we, my oldest daughter, when we got up there, she was like, okay, I've changed my mind. I want to go back. <laughs> I want to go back down. I said, well, no, there's only one way down. <laughs> and she was like, no, 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 I really want to go back. I said, no, there's really only one way down. So she actually went down. And, and after that, she just couldn't wait to keep doing it over and over and over and over. And she tells me even to this day, that she was so glad that I did that mm. because it helped her to just realize that sometimes you just got, even if you're scared, you got to have the confidence to, right. to move forward anyway, right? right? To have the courage, right? Yep. I, um, 
I taught them all how to change their tires before they learn how to drive. It was a prerequisite to learn to drive. Like, oh, you got to learn to change your tire, right? And uh, I remember my middle daughter, uh, my youngest daughter, uh, I took them both hiking once, right? And it was just a two-mile hike, but it was really steep going down, and it was really steep coming back up. And, uh, and we all had our own backpacks. And the, the, the oldest one, she was more fit, soccer player and all that. And the middle one, um, she played lacrosse, but she wasn't into sports as much. And um, she really struggled getting back to the car. I mean, tears, anxiety, all kinds of stuff was coming up. And the, the, the oldest one, she was just walking. She kept going. And I said to myself, I said, hmm, I'm going to just stay here with her, and I'm going to try to encourage her, but I'm not going to pick, take this pack off her back. <laughs> because I know when she gets to this car with this pack, she's going to feel tempted to call. And that's exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. She was so glad that I didn't take it, and she was so excited. As we got closer to the car... She found she found her second wind, <laughs> and she started you know singing and all kinds of stuff. But it's it's really hard, right? When we want to uh, want the best for them, we want to protect them, but at the same time, we also have to teach them. And when I think about our heavenly Father, I know that He wants the best for us, but sometimes we don't understand, and sometimes we don't have the courage, and sometimes we don't have the energy. For the perseverance to keep going. Right. But he does. Mm-hmm. Can you read um, Matthew 6 11? Give us today our daily bread. Yeah. From the Lord's Prayer. Mm-hmm. Plain and simple, right? Really just acknowledging God as our provider and our sustainer. Yeah. Really realizing that he's the one that gives us strength, he's the one that gives us courage, he's the one that gives us the Holy Spirit to lead us daily, mm-hmm. right? That one short prayer is, is so simple. It's, it's simply a confession that we didn't create ourselves. God created us, right? Um, and we're not self-sufficient. We're sufficient through his grace and his power. And we can do all things through him. And we've got to trust him because he knows who we are and he knows what we need. Right? And it doesn't take a lot. Give us today our daily bread can't create it. I didn't create myself. He knitted us in the womb. Yeah. So God the provider, he provides. Amen. Let's talk about God the protector. Yeah. If someone would um, uh, find Psalms 18, 2 and 3, and we'll go there in a minute, Larry. Okay. Hold that spot for us. God the protector We always want to plan and prepare for our family's overall well-being and health. And before um, GPSs, you know, being an ex-military person, I was big into getting maps. Anytime there was a road trip, Bond would know, like, we're preparing for a road trip? It's okay. I need to be let alone for the next hour. (laughs) I would pull out my maps. I would get pen and paper. You know, I would have my glasses on, and I would dive in on the road trip mapping process right. to make sure that I know what's the distance, when are we going to stop, where's, where's um, you know, 
bathroom breaks, eating breaks, all this stuff. And, yeah. you know, where am I turning and all this, right? And so I would, I would map out on the map, and then I would have a sort of cliff notes <laughs> written down to go along with the map, right? And then sometimes I would, like, hand that to her <laughs> and say, what's coming up next, right? She'd be my co-pilot. Um, I think that um, the, the reality is that when we think about what are all the things that we can do to plan and, and be protected, really, it really comes down, when I think about it from a Heavenly Father's perspective, it really comes down to, wow, if I kind of just obey God, more than likely I'm going to be okay. For sure. Right? I don't even have to, you know, have everything all figured out. If I, maybe I don't know the answer. Maybe things are a bit ambiguous. But can I at least obey him and trust him and have the faith to kind of, and the conviction to go from there? Can you read um, Psalms 18, 2 and 3? That the Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise, and I have been saved from my enemies. Exactly. And so this is, you know, really coming from, from David, and it just shows how um, God's protection is limitless, and it takes many forms. David used five military symbols in this, in this psalm to demonstrate God's protection. First, he used the rock, which is immovable. And if anybody, you know, if you're in a military situation and you can use uh, natural terrain or natural vegetation to sort of provide defense, defense for you, you definitely want to use it, right? Um, so that was the first one, using, using the immovable rock. The fortress, a uh, place where the enemy can't follow you. Um, and when I think about that, I think about church being a fortress, the word being a fortress. If I'm out alone or on a business trip or in a strange city, being with my word or even, even while Yvonne and I are traveling now with her job, being here with you all is a fortress. Right? I feel protected. I feel connected just even by being here with my brothers and sisters. And then shield, right, uh, where no harm will come between us, right? Again, um, God's word is just uh, the, the, the infinite shield. And then power, uh, power that saves and only he can provide that salvation, right? So I'm going to always make him Lord of my life. I'm going to always humble myself to him. Uh, number five, uh, safety which is high above the enemy, right? Uh, again, being with my brothers and sisters and staying in his word provides me that extra safety. And so when we need protection, right, we talk about providing, we talk about protection, we must look to God <coughs> for protection in all things. The last one is pathway. Um, can we find, can someone find uh, Ephesians Five twenty-five through thirty-three. Ephesians five twenty-five through thirty-three. Yes, we hold that for you. And then also Ephesians six four. <coughs> so we have two in Ephesians six four. Yes, six four. Okay. All right. So with pathways, 
essentially, uh, again, we're attempting to share, you know, our, when, when I think about this notion of a pathway, like what is the right way or the wrong way to do something, right? How, what's the godly way versus the worldly way? What ways will uh, probably uh, be to my advantage and keep me out of trouble and harm and danger? Um, so that's all about, do I have the knowledge? Do I have the skills? Do I have the wisdom to live um, and even to lead my family in a way that they're going to be content, content and joyful and fulfilled as a father? <clears throat> Um, go ahead and read Ephesians 5, 25-30 Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish but holy and blameless in the same way husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies he who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Yeah, um, that's one of those scriptures that, you know, when husbands and wives, when we talk about that, sometimes it can be challenging, right? When we talk about, am I feeling love? Am I feeling respected? And I must admit, every time Yvonne and I have sat down and talked with other couples, or when we have gone to be disciples with other couples, it usually comes down to those two things. Uh, somebody's not feeling love, and somebody's not feeling respected, right? And I think that, you know, um, this scripture really is, is quite simple. Because when you think about um, the relationship between Christ and the church, and the fact that it requires tender, self-sacrificing care, think about that in our own relationships. You know, am I willing to and reminded to always provide tender, self-sacrificing care for another, for my mate, right? Um, and it's not something that we take for granted. It's not something that we can ignore. It's not something that we need to forget about. It is something that we have to be constantly intentional about. And when we're not, that's when we fall short. That's when problems arise. That's when people don't feel loved, when people don't feel respected, and it just doesn't work, right? And so I think Jesus' example of him having that sacrificial and tender relationship with the church, I think it's a perfect example for husbands and wives. Just follow that example, right? And when I'm not getting my way, or if I'm not feeling heard or listened to or, or what have you, let's start there. And when some people ask you, Bon and I, you know, especially younger couples, you know, what's the secret to staying married 34 years? Um, my answer is quite simple. You got to first humble yourself to God, then to one another. Mm -hmm. And I think that when we when we have done that, 
it just never fails. Right? Like, like, hmm, what's the issue? What's not working? What am I upset about? Well, have I started by humbling myself to God on this issue, which then allows me to humble myself to my wife, and right. vice versa. So it's to me, it's just it, it just never fails to me. Um, who had Ephesians uh, six four? Yes. Fathers do not exasperate your children. Instead, move them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Yeah. You want to teach them, and we want to make sure that they're they're going to be healthy and prosperous young men and women in the future. And it requires two things: <laughs> love and discipline. <laughs> But love first, right? right. And, and, and people, I, I say there's, there's, you know, I think the secret to raising kids is you got to love them, you got to teach them, you got to let them go. Mm-hmm. And that last one is the hardest, yeah. right? Uh, and that teaching will require a little bit of discipline. But um, I think the Bible is clear here. Like, we don't need to exasperate them, but we need to start with love. And we need to teach them. It requires a little bit of discipline. Uh, because if I keep touching that hot stove, I mean, you know, it, I might not have a hand after a while. And then if I go through life not realizing there's some hot stoves I need to avoid, you know, hopefully it doesn't take me too long to learn that as an adult. I need to learn that as a younger person so that when I am an adult on my own, you know, I can go forth and be joyful and prosperous versus still touching a hot stove. Right? Um, so... My that's essentially it, right? Um, you know, God our provider, God our protector, and God who provides our right pathways. And as I think about a call to action, uh, to be the best man or father we can be, it starts and ends with knowing and imitating the relationship we have with our heavenly Father. Knowing and imitating relationship we have with our Heavenly Father. I think if we start there, we will be okay. Any, uh, that's essentially it. Um, I don't know if there's any thoughts or comments or reflections any, or insights anybody might want to share before we close. We got just, two. I just want to thank you for the great sermon and great lesson. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of different emotions come up to think of my own father and my relationship with God. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of overlay where I, I get confused about God because I think, you, you know, they say you see kind of God as your own father and the way you're brought up. So I just appreciate these three points provided us I was just, I appreciate the last point here. It's always good just to read it right out of scripture about, you know, uh, bringing them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. I feel like that's a really challenging scripture. Um, and, it, and it's 
that has not been easy for me at all. And I feel like it's been certainly, while it seems clear here, it also encompasses quite a bit. And uh, so, I mean, I guess I appreciate just having, you know, having uh, the ability to have find other resources, uh, like among my brothers, just people who've been through it or in similar journeys, you know, um, and, uh, and just trying to find that path. Like, I want to be, I want to be able to help provide uh, a pathway. I think there was um, in the past I remember a brother saying like he wanted to be the springboard for his children, um, and it encompassed the you know providing and, and protection, but you know a springboard for life. And that always stuck with me. You know, I think God does that for us in a lot of ways. Um, but it is for me, I think, has been a challenge to find how, to find out how to do that as a father. And provide a really uh, solid. I think it is challenging, um, and and I think your point about you know making sure we're connecting with other brothers who also might have had some victories in that area or went similar challenges. Uh, I think that's helpful. And then the thing that that I think about, and now that our kids are adults and kind of out on their own, the one regret I don't have is. Um, you know, I've always been clear about I'm their father. I don't. You know, they got plenty of friends, but they only have one father. So I'm gonna be true to that role, and I can be friendly and do things with them, but that's not my number one thing, right? And it, but at the same time, I want to have that relationship with them to where we can be friends later for the rest of our lives, right? Because now I can't make them do anything. Right? Uh, I don't even know what they're doing right now. <laughs> but but uh, we, we, we do have a relationship. We do have a bond. We do spend time with each other. We do talk to each other. And as I'm, as I'm being their father, if I'm not leading them in such a way or loving them in such a way to where they don't want to be with me, don't want to have a relationship with me, then I'm doing it wrong. Right? So I think there's a balance we've got to be able to find of yeah, I'm the father, and I'm going to be the father, right? I'm not, my number one job is not to be your friend. My number one job is to be your father. But I can do that with love and compassion and godly uh, advice so that we will have a, a permanent relationship and always be in a relationship with each other. Uh, I think that's the one thing that I've had to learn um, in order to to be able to stand here and honestly say, I, I, I feel like I have a loving relationship with all three of them. And it wasn't easy. It was tough. <laughs> uh, she will tell you. But I, I love them to death. Yeah. Well, hey, uh, I'm out of time. This was fun. And uh, <laughs> I hope you and all the dads enjoy your Father's Day. Get your root beer, get a donut. Get your Hawaii necklace, get sugared up, <laughs> and